Let me mention very quickly that we have materials over here in our second year classroom. And um, it's all good stuff. We didn't bring any of our junk. Everything that's here is good. Let me just mention quickly, this is the book. Uh, of course, I didn't have this book written yet, but this is the truth that the Lord used to really open up my understanding. And this is a foundation of everything we teach. Um, and this is just a powerful book on spirit, soul, and body. I've also got uh, CDs out there. This one is on uh, David, Lessons from David. And I've got one, How to Be Happy, Especially If You're a Christian. And don't limit God. This changed my life. This is a powerful teaching. And also, how to discover your destiny and a lot of other things. Charlie and Jill have CDs out there. If you enjoy the praise and worship music, I tell you, I use their worship a lot. And, and so anyway, we've got a lot of materials over there that would be a help to you. Uh, right before I let Wendell come up, let me just ask. I know he had how many people are visitors here this week, but how many of you came uh, praying about and wondering if you are supposed to be at Caris Bible College and this is something you're, you're uh, seeking the Lord for this week. Could I see your hand, those of you that are praying about that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, that's great. Well, you know, we aren't going to only minister about that, but I just couldn't help but tweak mine a little bit because I know so many of you were thinking about that and Del Ron addressed that and I don't know, we don't collaborate what we're going to teach, but I know that the Holy Spirit is going to meet the needs of you that came wondering about that, and uh, I believe it's going to be a great, great time. This is Wendell Parr. Wendell and Linda have been with us since the beginning of our Caris Bible College. He was actually pastor in a church in Stephenville, Texas. Had been there for how long? Eighteen years. He's been in the ministry for, what, a hundred and how many years have you... <laughs> We had him come on staff so that he could give a first-hand account of crossing the Red Sea and things like that. It, it adds something to our school that most schools don't have. And, and uh, so Wendell came, and he was an instructor here for a couple of years. And then Wendell and Linda went to England and opened up our England Bible School and stayed there for two years. And then he came back here, I think, for one year as an instructor. And then he left and went to Texas for a while and tried to pastor a little church and pastored, uh, not pastored, but led uh, Bob Nichols Bible School for a while. But praise God, he finally came back out of the wilderness, back to us, and has been directing our school. And Wendell and Linda have been great friends and just a tremendous blessing here in the school. Everybody loves him. I tell him, that, wait until you get to really know him, and then that'll pass, but... Now, Wendell's a real blessing, and we are really privileged to have him to be a part of the school. So this is Wendell Parr, and he's the director of our Caris Bible College. Eat your heart out, Andrew. You guys did perfect, I told you. When he was in here, make sure you made a big deal. So He's always talking about how long I've been in ministry, but you know, he's been in ministry a lot longer than I have. So whatever he says about me, just add about 20 years to it. And uh, he's always talking about the first-hand account of crossing the Red Sea. 
And uh, I always tell people, and when we got across to the other side, there stood Andrew <laughs> with his four tape series, how to, how to Be a Water Walker. But I'm glad he demonstrated his love for me in front of the students. Now, when I tell you he always picks on me, you'll know this is true. <clears throat> There's another side to Andrew that not everyone has seen. You can ask Jamie some of those questions. It is a joy for us to have you here this, uh, these next couple of days. And we've already addressed that we believe God's speaking to a lot of people to come and be a part of our Bible school. And, you know, we've already... Not, not at this conference. Prior to this conference, we already have 60 people registered for, for first year next year. Already 60. And, and we've already got 12 registered for second year next year. So we already have 72 students registered, and, and uh, we're just starting. We've still got several months to go. And I understand we've already had a couple register today already. So uh, we're excited, and uh, good things are happening around CBC, and you'll just get a little dose of it these next couple of days. Uh, I'm supposed to remind you that uh, when, when we're through with this session, uh, we're going to have a luncheon for all of those who have come, especially for the CBC campus days. Uh, you're going to come back, and all the faculty will be there with us and some of the AWM staff. And uh, what we'd ask you to do as soon as the bell rings at the end of the session to make your way down to the break room, find you a place to, uh, to sit and get a, get a table, and then uh, we'll have an opening prayer, and then you'll be dismissed by tables to go through the uh, buffet line. So uh, I'll try to remember at the end of the session to remind you again. But uh, just when we leave, go on down and be seated, and then we'll have a prayer and have the lunch. So... Uh, you know, I, I teach uh, several courses here at the school, and I, I thought, you know, since we want you to get an experience from the school, I thought, well, I'll just uh, teach my next lesson that's coming up in the syllabus. And I'm in Old Testament survey, and uh, the next book was Lamentations. <laughs> so I decided I wouldn't teach that. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't want anyone to go away lamenting. So we'll, we'll talk about something else. And uh, once again, though, we're excited that you're here. And we believe that God is really going to speak clearly to you the next few days. And as Andrew said, we, we're not apologizing. We believe in what God is doing here. And if we have to push you just a little bit and shove you a little bit, and pull you a little bit uh, to get you to make the right decision, well, we're willing to do that. But we believe that you're going to hear clearly in the next few days about God's plan for your life. And uh, we believe a, a large part of you, this is the next step. God is doing some great things through CBC. We could spend the rest of the, the sessions that we have just talking about what we've witnessed in, in people's lives as they've come and gone through the school. And Andrew already mentioned we, we visited with three couples yesterday, and God has already set before them nations that they're going to go out and change. And, you know, uh, if, uh, if you'd... Uh, just pick through a crowd, you probably not, wouldn't have picked them to go change a nation. But, you know, God sees differently than we see. We, we, we have the tendency to look on the outward man. 
But you know, God says, I look at the heart. And that's, that's what it takes to, to be qualified to do anything for the Lord, is just to have a willing heart. And uh, God is, is looking around this place, and, and uh, we may see a group of people. He sees world changers sitting in all these seats. And you know, when we think about world changers, that doesn't necessarily mean you've got to go to another land. It could be the world in which you live right now that needs to be changed. And so we need to, we need to recognize that. Uh, I'm not sure uh, totally where I'm going to end up today, but I want to start off by, you know, just bringing us all together in one thought, that, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he came to demonstrate life as God intended man to live it. Uh, when we started off in the beginning in the garden, God had the perfect plan and the Bible says that he created man like himself. And God would always come and fellowship with the man that he had created. And God had made provision for everything that man would ever need. And all man had to do was just trust God, depend on God. And that was, that was a simple plan. Well, we know that sin entered in and, and delayed that plan for a while. But then when Jesus came, the second Adam, he came and without fail without imperfection, demonstrated to us how God intended us to live life. And then uh, just turned it right around and said, and Jesus said, and the way that I've lived it is the way you're to live it also. And told us that God was going to give to us the same abilities that he had given him in order to live that life. And so sometimes we fail to recognize why we're here. And we're not here just to do our own thing and to please ourselves and to, to get out of this life the things that we desire. But we're here really uh, to represent God and to demonstrate the life that God created man to live in the first place. And we should be living that life to that standard so that people could see that uh, there is a life that's beyond what we would call the natural life here on this planet. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. Uh, that just just really address this. John 14, uh, 12. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and some of you uh, are familiar with this verse, but we'll go ahead and read it. And he says here in verse 12, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Now, sometimes we get excited about, you know, the greater works, and we want to analyze and try to figure out what the greater works are. And, and you know, my approach is uh, let's just go with part one. Let's begin to do the works of Jesus and let the greater works uh, come along as they should. But the point that, that I want to make from that verse is, is not, it's that Jesus said what I'm doing, that's how, what I want you to do. And he's saying that we will do those things. Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 29 talks about those he foreknew, he predestined uh, to be conformed to the image of his son that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. And all that is telling us is that Jesus uh, knew and the Father God knew the, the end from the beginning. And you know... We, none of you have surprised God this morning by being here. Now, some of us might not have expected you, but God, 
God wasn't surprised when you showed up. God's not surprised that you're here thinking about, praying about, making decisions about coming to Bible school for two years. That, that doesn't surprise God. And, and God never called the angels together and said, did you ever see that one going to Bible school? God knows his plan that he has for you. And this, this is what he says, those he foreknew. And that just means that God has foreknowledge. Doesn't mean he violates your free will. He just knows what you're going to do before you do it. And so he said for those that he foreknew that were going to follow after him and, and, and seek his will, he had a plan in place for them when they began to discover that God really had something for them in life. Those he foreknew, he predestined. Now, part of that predestined plan is that we be conformed to the very image of Jesus. So the idea that God is trying to communicate to us is that his desire is that every single one of us begin to take on the character and, and the lifestyle and, the, and, and all of those things that Jesus portrayed when he was here in the flesh. And, and the reason for that is because Jesus perfectly represented the Father God so that men could know the true and living God. And he chose us to be that vehicle to reveal himself through. And he doesn't have another plan. It's us. And, and it's him working in us that's going to cause us to be able to, to, to be conformed to that image of Jesus so that when people begin to look at us, they can see God in us. Now, there's not a debate uh, especially around here, we believe that if you're born again, God dwells in you. And the promise is that he never leaves you nor forsakes you. So he's with you on your bad days as well as in your good days. We, we're not of the persuasion that if you kick the cat, the spirit leaves. We believe the scripture said that when the spirit came, he was going to abide with us forever. And so seven days a week, 24 hours a day, as long as we're here, the presence of God is living in us. So that, that is being lived in us, but he wants to live out of us and begin to demonstrate through us the same things that Jesus demonstrated when he was here in the flesh. And Jesus even made this comment about you and I, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. But now these things, just because they're so, and just because God has made it possible, and, and God knows the end from the beginning, doesn't mean that he's going to make you come into those situations. It still takes a decision on your part, and a willingness on your part to, to follow the instructions that God gives you. And sometimes we... We never get to that place where God wants us to be because we get too carried away with doing our own thing. And we fail to realize, and we don't, you know, you don't hear a lot of preaching about this, and I, and I don't know why we shy away from it, but the Bible is very clear that if you're a child of God, if you're born again, then your life is no longer your own. It's really not up to you to decide what you're going to do with your life. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, you're supposed to do what God asks you to do. And shouldn't let anything interfere with that. Even your dogs, as Andrew so kindly put it. 
Every time he tells that story, I see people cringe. <laughs> Andrew's really not a dog hater. He loves dogs and cats. And... <laughs> and he gets so emotional about it, you could just see it all over him, you know. <laughs> But when you think about it, the fact that you're not your own, you're bought with a price, then the excuses that we come up with really should never come up. And so when Jesus came, he began to demonstrate to his disciples. And, you know, this is kind of what our school is modeled after. You know, Jesus came and, and he called these men aside and he took them with him. And he be, that was probably the first Bible school. And he began to instruct them in the ways of the Lord, and then he would go out and demonstrate what he had instructed. But then there came a time that he began to send them out to do what he had instructed them to do. And then he asked them to come back and give a report on what they had accomplished. And that's the principle we follow here. The, the scripture that the Lord gave Andrew back in 1993 to start the school was to take the things that God had committed to him and taught him and shown him. And to take those things and impart them to faithful men and women in such a fashion that they could turn around and do the same thing and go and communicate that to others. And so as we've, we've started the school, this is, this is the principle we work on. All of the instructors uh, that are here in the school are here because of, of, a, of a life of ministry that God has given them and a message that God has birthed in them. And we don't, we don't hire teachers to teach curriculum. We... We see the teacher that has the curriculum in them. And so they come in and they share what God has revealed to them, to you in such a, a way that you can grasp it and begin to incorporate it. And it becomes your message. It becomes what you understand. And then we send you out to begin to demonstrate that. And then we bring you back in and you give a report of what happened. And then we have more instructions and then we encourage you to go out. And so this is... This is the principle that Jesus used with, the, with his disciples. But he told them that there was something they were going to have to do in order to enter into that. And he said, I, I, I'm going to come and I'm going to teach and I'm going to preach and I'm going to heal and I'm going to cast out devils. I'm going to demonstrate all of that. But what I'm really working on in doing all of that is really causing you to be a disciple. And Jesus is the one that that communicated to these individuals that were following him that he was calling them to make disciples. And so what I'm saying is uh, Jesus didn't come uh, calling us to join some organization. He didn't, he didn't call us to, to begin to conform to someone else's image. He didn't call us just to, to uh, really uh, go out and, and make followers of us uh, he called us in Matthew chapter 28. He says, I want you to go into all the world and proclaim this message, but I want you to make disciples. I, I want you to get people who will be discipled. And you know, the de definition of, of a disciple is, is more than just a, a mere learner. And there, there are those who come and they only learn, but, but the, the thing that identifies a disciple is that it goes beyond just learning something, but it, it is one that adheres and accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. 
In other words, we hear the instructions, but we don't just learn those instructions, but we make those instructions begin to rule our conduct, determine our lifestyle. And this is what Jesus was, was communicating to those who followed after him. He says, I want to teach you a lifestyle. And sometimes we miss out on how important that is that we, we learn of Jesus, but we learn to live his lifestyle. And you know, there was no question where Jesus went. They, they recognized that he was different. And when he would come into a place, they would recognize that difference. They might not be able to identify it immediately, but they knew that he was different. And then his disciples, after they had truly begun to adhere to his instructions and begin to conduct their life in that manner, then they began to recognize in them. And they said, well, we know these guys aren't that smart. We know they're unlearned and uneducated. But one thing we recognize, they've been with Jesus. And this is what we, we try to, to, to strive to do here in our school it is to really raise up disciples of Jesus. To, to bring you into a place where your lifestyle demonstrates not only have you learned what Jesus has said, but it, is, it is, has caused your lifestyle to become as his lifestyle was. So that when we're out in a lost and dying world, people will recognize there's something different in you. And that is the opportunity we have to say that's because we're connected to a higher power. We're living life on a different plane to the, what the rest of the world is living. And this is what God has called us to be, is, is a disciple and, and to follow after him. But not only to learn his teaching, but let his teaching dictate our lifestyle. And this is the, the, the Bible says that, that we're to be so radically different that we really do stand out in a crowd. And, and you know, it's not a, it's not a grievous thing. It, it, the, the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. Let me tell you, it's, it's the best, <laughs> it's the only way to live life to the fullest. And it's the only way that you're going to experience really fullness of joy Fullness of peace, fullness of everything is when you totally give your life over into the hand of the Lord. Now, most of you, you wouldn't even be here if you didn't have that desire. And yet, there are some of you that I believe there's another step to take. And that's coming and, and disciplining yourself to sit under the word of God. Not only to learn the word, but to let that word begin to dictate to you your conduct. In other words, God's calling some of you to be disciples. Now, I know when I say that, I should say he's calling all of us to be disciples. But, I mean, you know, not everybody's going to listen to that call. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, but you've got to follow the orders. And so, as we begin to look at this, I want you to just notice some things that Jesus said to these people. He called them out to be disciples, and, and here's, here is what he's trying to communicate to them. He came to these men, and a lot of them were fishermen. And this was, this was the trade they had been brought up in. Most of them, their, their dad was a fisherman before them. And they'd been raised up to take over the family business. And so here they are out living their life, doing what they had been taught to do, just minding their own business, mending their nets, painting their boats, 
doing what they normally do, and then Jesus came along. And Jesus gave them an invitation. And he said, uh, if you'll follow me, I'm going to show you a different way to live life. And you know, it wasn't a light thing. And we don't, we don't make light of this. And you can ask the students. I'm always commending all our Bible college students because I know every one of them had to make the decision and had to give up something, had to get out of their comfort zone in order to follow what God wanted them to do. So I commend everyone who makes a commitment that I'm going to follow Jesus. But this is what Jesus asked of these people. He said, I want you to give up what you've got. I want you to give up your job. Even give up your family. Give up your retirement plan. Give up whatever you have to give up, whatever it takes to follow me. Jesus started off calling people in that manner, and he's still calling people in that manner today. And until we're willing to recognize that what he has for us, instead of what we're doing, is far better than what we're doing, we struggle with that decision. But if we could ever get it settled in our minds that what God has for us is far superior to anything that we had for ourselves... When we determine that, then decisions to follow him become much easier. And it doesn't make any difference how long you walk with the Lord, how long you serve the Lord, uh, whatever you're doing for the Lord. Everything God asks you to do is still a faith decision. And it, it always will be a faith decision. And you might as well just come to grips with it now. Most of the time when God asks you to do something, it doesn't look like, that's what you ought to be doing or that it makes any sense to do it. But if we really trust God, at the end of the day, do we really trust God and do we really believe that he knows what's best for us? You know, I tell the students all the time, one of the greatest revelations that I ever learned, and I learned it many years ago, great revelation, probably the greatest revelation. Probably still is the greatest revelation. Just saying if anybody was interested in knowing what that revelation is. <laughs> Are you ready for this? <laughs> Are you really ready for this? God's smarter than I am. He's smarter than you too. And you, you think that's kind of humorous, but I'm telling you, that's the absolute truth. God's smarter than you are. He's smarter than I am, and he knows uh, what needs to be done more than I know what needs to be done. So I just decided a few years ago, I'd just give up and do what God asked me to do, knowing he was smarter than me. And you know what? I'm, I'm rejoicing in that. Uh, I, am, I am fulfilled in life. I've got joy in life. I enjoy what I'm doing. And, and the reason is I'm doing what God wants me to do. And there's no substitute for it. I mean, it is, it is the only way to really live life to the fullest is to be in the center of what God wants you to do. Amen. We also say around here oftentimes that preparation time is never wasted time. 
That means that the time that you come into this school preparing to do what God has for you to do, you're not wasting time. You're just getting ready, getting yourself prepared where God can really use you to your potential. And we don't, we don't give you, we don't assign to you what God wants you to do, but we help you discover what God wants you to do. And the amazing thing about God is that he knows every one of us individually. He knows, he knows everything there is about us. He knows his plans that he has for us. And guess what? They're only for good. And, and so what I'm trying to say is, do you realize what these fishermen might, might have thought when Jesus walked up to them? They didn't know him from anybody else. And he said, to, guys, if you'll follow me, I'm going to show you a greater lifestyle. And you know what? They had a decision to make. They had to make a decision. Am I going to take this next step to do what Jesus has asked me to do? And you know what? He didn't sit down and say, now guys, here's what I got planned for you. Once you uh, follow me, then, then uh, here, you're going to go over here and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. He didn't give them any explanation of what was going to come next because, you know, step one is follow him. Now, sometimes we get a little confused and, and we think that, that Jesus is saying that, oh, just your family doesn't matter, your job doesn't matter. And we need to really understand what Jesus was saying. He's saying prioritize. He's saying get things in their proper order and then things will work as they should. And first step, first priority is to serve the Lord. To do what he asks you to do. That's step one. But you know what? These guys, when you, if you read it and, and, and talk about giving up these things, but most of these guys he called to follow after him, they didn't sell their boats because they still used them in the ministry. They didn't totally forsake the families because Jesus went over to Peter's wife's house and, and his mother-in-law fixed him a meal. So when it's talking about forsaking, it, mean, it doesn't mean that you just cut ties with all of that. It just says you put things in their proper order and you put him first. And, and so for a lot of you, what's putting God first is committing to being in school next year for two years and sitting under the word of God. And then God will show you what to do next. And some of you, he'll just send you right back to where you came from and tell you to get your fishing boat back out. But you know what? You'll be a better fisherman. Some of you that are, are, are working in all kinds of jobs, whatever you go back to, if that's where God sends you back to, you'll do it better. Because number one, God has called all of us to be disciples, and all that means is to come and sit under the teaching of Jesus, not only to learn the truth, but let that truth begin to dictate to us our lifestyle, our conduct, so that whatever we're doing in life, we are manifesting the life of Jesus so that people can see that and be drawn to that and enter into life eternal by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's our assignment here on earth is we're representing the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors for Christ. And, and we're, we're not here representing ourselves, but we're here representing him. And we're, we're our, you know, our life is, is not bound to this world. And the Bible tells us to set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. And, and we've got to cut loose from these things. And you know what? 
Some of you worry about, well, am I, what, about, what about a job? God always supplies jobs. We've, we, like Andrew said, I've been here from the beginning. And we've yet to have a student who had a desire to work. Now, we've had a few come along and sit down, well, I'm just believing God. And they didn't make it. But, you know, the ones that came and, and remember, when you're coming to school and you need a job, that's not going to be your career. You just need a job to sustain you while you're in school, being prepared. And so there are lots of jobs available, and we've never had a student who wanted a job that wasn't able to get a job. And we've never had a student living on the streets. God provides what he knows you have need of. And guess what? He said, you know, I know you need food to eat. I know you need clothes to wear. I know you need a house to live in. And he says, uh, and I'm going to take care of all those things. But here's the formula. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of those things that you have need of just come as a part of the package. And you know, it's amazing how sometimes the message that a lot of the body of Christ is preaching is to get the things. When the message should be, seek God in his kingdom and the things come. And so if God is speaking to you about coming to school, that's what you need to seek first to do what God wants you to do. And then God will take care of the rest of that. And you say, well, how? Well, I don't know how. Lots of things I still don't know how he does, but he always does. And uh, Linda and I made a commitment 36 years ago, I think it was, not really 100. (laughs) And you know what? We haven't missed too many meals. You probably couldn't tell by looking at me, but I haven't. And we've never been without a place to live or clothes to wear. God has provided everything that we ever had need for and then some. And all we did was just simply... Trust him, and when he said, come follow me, we just went and followed him. That's about as simple as it gets. And I remember back uh, that 36 years ago, I was, uh, Linda and I had been married and had two kids, and I was busy making a living. Matter of fact, I was real busy. I was sometimes working three jobs just to get all the things that I thought the world wanted us to have. And, and so uh, working all the time. And then we really had, came to an encounter with, with, with the Lord and realized there's more to life than just things and began to seek after him. And uh, in, in the midst of that, committing our lives to him, uh, the next thing you know, he, he calls me into ministry, which was a shock. Uh, I never would have seen myself as a minister. I was, I was running the Mrs. Baird's bread route and uh, just uh, uh, busy doing what I was doing and, and making good money. And the thing I loved about it is it was all commissioned. So the more I worked, the more money I made. I kind of liked that setup. But the Lord spoke to us about going into the ministry. And we prayed and, and really felt in our heart, this is what God wanted us to do. But you know what? I didn't know one thing about, about being in ministry. Didn't know what ministry was all about. No concept. And, and so I went to my pastor and I said, I believe this is what the Lord's wanted me to do. What do I do next? And his instructions were I needed to go to seminary. Well, that, I didn't know any better than that, so I attempted to go to seminary. But I, I, because, and I'd already told you, we were out buying things, so I owed everybody in the country. 
I mean, we'd built a new house, had two cars, owed on TVs. I mean, I owed everybody in the country. And so the school wouldn't accept me because they said, there's no way you can come to school and, and maintain your obligations. You know, I, I, I thank God for them to be that right up front and just tell me, we know you want to follow God, but there's some obligations. I believe Delron made mention of the fact. And so I couldn't go to seminary. So I, I didn't, know, didn't know what to do next because I knew God called me to be a minister, but I couldn't prepare to be a minister. So what do you do next? So I just went home and told Linda, I said, well, they won't let us in seminary because of all the money we owe, but if we sell our house, we can pay off everything we owe, and then I can go to seminary. So we tried to sell our house. And I, I'm just telling this because I want you to know I've been where you are. I know about those reasons why you can't do. And so I said, we'll just sell our house and pay off everything we owe, and then I can go to seminary, and then I can be obedient to the Lord. And so we put the house on the market, and, and uh, 90 days passed with that real estate listing, and three people, three, one, two, three people uh, came to look at it. I mean, only three came to look at it. And uh, they weren't interested. And the real estate agent said at the end, said, uh, I don't understand this. Do you want to list it for another 90 days? I said, no, time to go to seminary has already passed. No sense in selling my house now. That's the only reason I was going to sell it, is to go to seminary. Well, it wasn't but a few weeks after that, that a little church said, our pastor just left and we don't have anybody to fill in Sunday. We heard that you were called to minister. Would you come and fill in on Sunday? And so we uh, asked my pastor. He said, be good practice. So we accepted and we drove down about 60 miles from where we lived and went in to preach in that church. And, oh, it was, it was, I'd like to tell you it was glorious. Everybody got saved. They all ran to the altar. It was pretty pathetic, really. And, uh, I had about 22 pages of notes. I'd really researched this message. It was going to be a great message. Awesome message. I was so nervous. I was glad they had a pulpit. I couldn't see my knees knocking. Because I was terrified to, to speak in front of people. And one of my excuses for never getting committed to church, because I knew that if I ever got committed to a church, I was a Baptist, and, and I knew that if, if I showed up three Sundays in a row, they'd probably call on me to pray. And I was terrified to pray out loud. I can remember going through many a service, being miserable, just knowing that he's going to call on me to pray. And I didn't, I didn't know how to pray. And then I'd rehearse the prayer all through the service in case he called on me. Just sat there nervous. And so now here I am preaching Sunday morning in a, in a church. And they said, uh, we've got an evening service. So I came back and preached part two. I had probably parts 2 through 12. But, so I preached that night, went home, felt great satisfaction. I mean, it, it was pretty pathetic, but anyhow, I was obeying the Lord. So they said, well, we don't have anybody for next week. Would you come back? So, okay, we'll go back. So now I'm really getting encouraged. I'm beginning to like this. And so that next Sunday we went back and that preached Sunday morning and Sunday night and after Sunday night service they called me back in the church office and the pulpit committee was there and they said uh, what, what are you planning on doing and I said you know I really don't know I just know that the Lord has called me into the ministry I don't know what the next step is and we're just trusting him they said well would you come pastor this church now folks that was a miracle 
because it certainly didn't have anything to do with my gifting because there wasn't one there. And, and uh, you know, I, did, I didn't, well, I still don't know how to put a message together, so I haven't learned a whole lot in the 36 years. I didn't get the training. But they, they said, would you, would you, and I just out of, just right out, I said, I'll let you know Wednesday. Now, I don't know why I said that, but just excuses, you know, stalling for time. So we go back home and we're talking about this and we're discussing it. And then on Tuesday, I got a phone call and said, you still want to sell your house? Don't want to mess with a realtor or anything like that. Just do you want, well, you know, that was my answer because we sold our house and paid off everything we owed and, and went and started pastoring that little church. But the point I'm trying to make is there were things in the natural. I didn't have any training. I wasn't following the procedure that I was supposed to follow. Lots of reasons why I shouldn't. The pay was, was a fifth of what I was making. And when I went in to resign my job, my supervisor sat me down and said, You're crazy. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you can't live on what they're going to pay you. And I said, well, I'm not going for the pay. I'm going because this is what I feel in my heart God wants me to do. The point is, it took faith believing that what God was putting in my heart, the desire that I needed to take that step. And, you know, he made it work. And thank God that I didn't have any seminary training because in the second year, of pastoring that church because I didn't know any better. All I do is read the Bible and pray, and that's what I teach. I didn't know how to get it any other way. And in that studying the Bible and praying, I came across all these scriptures about the Holy Spirit. And the only thing I knew about the Holy Spirit in the Baptist church we were part of was that he was part of the doxology. And so as I began to read those scriptures, some of you don't even know what doxology is. That's how heathen you are. But I begin to read all those scriptures about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then I begin to inquire of the Lord. What, what does all this mean? I've never heard. And the next thing you know, I, I received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. In a Baptist church. As a Baptist pastor. And once again, you know, you, be, you begin to let your natural mind take place. And my natural mind said, well, you can't continue to be a Baptist if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because they don't believe this. And I knew the Lord didn't know that. So I informed him. <laughs> That Baptists don't believe this, Lord, and, and here I am, so what I need to do. And he didn't seem to respond, so I made my own decision. I'd go over to a denomination that believed in that. My thinking, my plans, how I would do it. And so I proceeded to do all of that, to, to, to join the denomination that believed that way. I even sat before their presbyters and got accepted in. All I had to do was join their denomination, and I'd become an ordained minister. And I got back to do that, and, and God said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, the Baptists don't believe this. I tried to explain that you, to you earlier that they don't believe this, and, and this group does, so I'm going to go over here. And, and uh, it's amazing. He doesn't pay a lot of attention to what I try to inform him of. But, and he says, uh, that's not a message for any denomination. That's a message for all of my people. And he says, I said, so what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to stay right here and teach that. I said, but Lord, this is a Baptist church. They don't believe this. This is the third time that I've told you they don't believe that here. And I said, 
I've been reading the Baptist Standard about what's happening to the Baptists that believe this. And it's not nice. They're kicking them out of the denomination. And, and I said, that, that wouldn't be good. And he said, if you'll do it the way I tell you, if you'll share with them the way I tell you, there won't be any issues. And you know what? The next year, I taught on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a Southern Baptist church. Nobody got mad. Nobody left. Uh, had one young man to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But at the end of that year, the Lord said, now, I want you to go and plant a new church. And I want you to go and I want you to proclaim the full counsel of the Word of God with balance. And announce to all who will hear that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that it will be a New Testament church based upon New Testament patterns and principles. And he said, now you can go do that. Well, you know, I didn't realize it at that time. That year of teaching on the Holy Spirit was more for me than it was that congregation. I was learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit. How to minister in the Holy Spirit. How to be obedient uh, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, all these years later now, when we started the school back in 94, uh, and we began to select the subjects we were going to teach, the first subject I wanted to teach was on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that, that whole series is based upon what the Lord taught me that year that I was a Southern Baptist pastor uh, teaching that congregation. But it was me that was learning. And so what I'm saying, folks, uh, God speaks, but we have to be obedient and we follow and so when we left that Baptist church, you know what? We went out and there wasn't anybody. We didn't have a whole group together to start a church. God just said, go start a church. So what do you do? You just obey and you go. And, and the Lord worked it out. And that's too long a story to tell you. But we went and God planted that church. And we were there for 18 years. And it was a, it was a beautiful church. And lots of people got blessed and, and ministered to. And, and I still have contacts with those people. And you know what? They, they still are serving the Lord because we did what God told us to do. And then in 1994, Andrew called and said, the Lord has spoken to me about starting a Bible school. And I think you're supposed to be a part of it. Would you pray about it? Well, you know, we've been there 18 years. We were operating in some security. And, and there have been a lot of times in the 18 years I would have jumped to leave town. I mean, I would have been glad to leave town. But at that particular time, everything was working good in the church. Everybody was happy. It was growing. Uh, finances were good. We just built us a nice house out in the country and thought we'd be there till the Lord came back and then Andrew. And uh, so he, he shared what, what the Lord was, was saying to do. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, just as Andrew's testimony, uh, I hadn't thought of going anywhere else for 18 years. I don't think you could have pried me out of there. But all of a sudden, I had no desire to be there. And my desire was to be here. Interesting thing, about a week before Andrew called, I'd gone out to the, uh, to the Ford dealership and was having my car serviced. And I went up to the service manager. And while they were working on my car, we were just shooting the breeze. And he said, you know, if, if, uh, if you could just move anywhere in the country and wouldn't have to worry about job or anything. Just what town would you like to move to and live in? Well, we'd been vacationing up in this part of the world. I said, I'd move to Colorado Springs. Yeah. About a week later is when Andrew called and uh, said, we're starting the school. I think you're supposed to be a part of it. Well, we had a witness that that's what we were supposed to do. But you know what? We knew this is what God wanted us to do. But all those things began to pop up. 
Hey, you've been here 18 years. You're secure. You've just built your dream home. Your granddaughter's here. Everything, all your family's here. This, this is where you, and now you're going to separate yourself and you're going to move up where you don't even know anybody. You don't have a place to live. You don't even have a student. How, how do you know that there's even going to be a school? I mean, we dealt with all those things. In our mind. And the point I'm trying to make is the only thing that caused us to come is because in our heart we knew that's where God wanted us to be. And here we are. And, and what I'm trying to say is if you just really commit yourself to the Lord that you're going to follow him regardless. And if he's talking to you about becoming, coming to school, then it's a faith decision. But you have to get out of the boat. It's already been said. So just want to encourage you. I'll talk some more. And when I, I think I've got another session. But we're excited that you're here. And the thing that excites us is to see people who are at least willing to try to hear what God tells them to do. And so we commend you for being here. But, uh, you know, there's another step. And that's sign on the dotted line. All right. Let me uh, encourage you when we leave. The bell's going to ring about 30 seconds. Immediately go down to the break room. It's out the back doors to the right. Find your place to sit. Be seated. As soon as we get everybody seated, we'll have a prayer. And then we'll have our meal together. Thank you for coming. The Lord bless you. And uh, we'll see you down at the, at the break room. <laughs>